Most Holy Father, we thank you that you alone are God. As we come to worship you today, we pray that that truth will be implanted deep in our hearts, in our minds, and every part of our being. We know that you are present with us in this time of worship. Help us to sense you here and at work in us. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. It's great to see you this morning as we gather for worship and invite you to take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here. So last Wednesday night, the boys had their adventure at the, uh, the uh, sailboat races and the race car uh, races, and this week it's the girls' turn. And so I want to invite you again, as did last week, to come out, cheer them on, uh, be a part of that gathering. It's exciting to see how excited they get about the, the things that they've made and the races and just being together. So I encourage you, Wednesday night, 630 to, uh, if you have a chance, to come down to the gym and to uh, watch the races and to cheer on our girls as they uh, participate in the, this uh, event for uh, their programming. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and the children will be waving palm branches as they do each year, and so you see information in the bulletin related to that. And next Sunday evening, we have a special music presentation that will help us kick off Holy Week, and you see information about that in the bulletin as well. As we prepare for Easter, one of the traditions we have is uh, collecting uh, Easter plants that uh, we use to decorate the sanctuary Easter morning. And you see information in the bulletin about if you'd like to donate uh, a plant or more. And uh, we would uh, appreciate and love for you to do that if you can. Uh, There are um, other announcements in the bulletin, of course. And we especially today want to remember in our prayers Alan and Sherry Shea and uh, their work in... um, in Liberia and uh, the need to come home as the Ebola virus is uh, spreading throughout uh, that nation and parts of West Africa. And we want to pray for the people who have been affected by that and an end to uh, this terrible virus and disease. We uh, have the privilege of, from time to time, uh, uh, welcoming people into the membership of the church. We have some people joining this morning. We have a couple who are joining in this service. I'm going to ask them to come and, and stand here. And uh, as we uh, prepare to invite them and welcome them into the membership of the congregation. Christ who gave himself for the church, loves the church, is head of the church, his body, his bride. It is a privilege for us to be a part of the church of Christ and to be connected to one another Within the church. While we are all part of Christ's church, there is a sense in which joining the church is a a further step of connection in the church. And these who are joining today and others at the later service are taking this step. I want to ask them a few questions just so you know their hearts a little bit, and then we'll have a moment to introduce them to give you a a little bit of background about uh, them. And at the end of the service, we want to give you an opportunity to greet them and welcome them into the membership of the church. 
Do you affirm your faith in Jesus Christ and a desire for Christ to continue to shape you into his image? If so, answer, I do. Do you affirm the core doctrines of historic Christianity and pledge yourselves to the unity of Christ in this diverse group of believers who are the Houghton Wesleyan Church? If so, answer, I do. Do you recognize your obligation to God and to the church to participate in the life of the church, to contribute to the support of the church, and to serve the church by using your gifts and abilities as the church fulfills its mission in the world? If so, answer, I do. Dave Brubaker is going to ask them to turn around, and Dave is going to share just a brief word of introduction. Well, it's my pleasure to uh, introduce to you this morning Jonathan and Kathy Hilscher uh, and their children, Carissa and Caleb. Uh, I'm introducing them to you this morning, but they're no strangers to Houghton or to the Houghton Wesleyan Church. Uh, of course, Kathy grew up uh, in uh, in the community, uh, the daughter of Larry and uh, Bonnie Christensen, uh, and their family has been worshiping here at Houghton Wesleyan Church over the last eight years. Uh, Jonathan and, uh, and Kathy have been involved in Sunday school, in WKFM, and as leaders of one of the lay shepherding groups, and so we've been blessed by their ministry already. Uh, Jonathan is the director of civic engagement at Alfred. Uh, Kathy is a homeschool mom and works part-time teaching writing at the college. Uh, And I've seen her on on the volleyball court with the modified team at the academy. Um, And uh, and their kids have been among us. And so it's our our great pleasure to welcome you guys into membership today um, and uh, and welcome you. I'm going to ask the members of the church to stand and to affirm uh, these who are joining today by uh, reading together the words that are on the screen. We, the members of this church, receive you to our communion and fellowship as beloved brothers and sisters and promise to walk with you in love, to instruct, counsel, admonish, and cherish you, and to watch over you with all patience, gentleness, and love. O God of the church, we thank you for the blessing of Christian fellowship, for joining together in one body all those who believe in Jesus Christ, your Son. We thank you for these who this day are becoming a part of this local church, this branch of Christ's body. We pray that you'll grant to them the grace and strength that they need to fulfill their vows, and we ask that you would bind all of our hearts together in your holy love, that we may help each other, support each other, love each other, care for each other, and that together we may share your gospel with the world for which Christ died. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And again, I want to invite you at the end of the service to share what a greeting with them and welcome them into the membership of the church. Good morning. We don't stop being the church for very long. Uh, This is the morning of the pastoral call vote that we've been announcing over the last couple of weeks. Uh, It'll be your opportunity to vote, and we encourage you to do so. Uh, The places for voting are in the back of the, uh, in the foyer of the sanctuary and in the uh, foyer of the Christian Education Building, between the services and uh, after the 11 o'clock service. 
The question on the ballot is very simple. The elders recommend to you that we extend a four-year call to Pastor Wes Oden, and we ask, do you agree or disagree? And so you simply need to mark yes or no on the ballot. The voting is open to community and covenant members of the church. There are membership lists uh, at the table. Simply find your name on the list, mark it off, take a ballot, mark it, and put it in the box. And uh, you've done what we've, asked, what we've asked you to do. The only people on that list are those who are being received into membership uh, this morning. So Jonathan and Kathy, simply identify yourself as uh, among the newest members of the church and take your opportunity to vote, too. Again, the elders encourage you to vote, and thank you for making the time and effort to do so. At this time, we'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us as we give back to God but a portion of all he has given to us. In the shadow to cast my love I'll discard the loss and bear your name forsaking all for all your fame your hymn my grace and over is quenched by you, my Lord, sustained and my redeemed restore, sustained and my redeemed restore. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Please sing with us. to your side my precious blood I
Our scripture reading for this morning is Luke 22, verses 39 through 46. Following the reading of the scripture, children ages 2 through 4 are dismissed for children's church and children's grades. Kindergarten through 3rd are dismissed for junior church. Following the tradition of the church, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation." May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might
Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Father, we proclaim you Lord of all, and we ask that you will speak to us through your word, your spirit, as we continue in worship. We pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. When we think of the word prayer, it tends to bring an image to our minds of one particular thing. But the truth is, prayer is multifaceted. We pray prayers of adoration and worship. We offer prayers of thanksgiving. We offer prayers for people in need. We offer prayers of supplication and petition. We offer uh, prayers of meditation, prayers of contemplation. There are, there are a wide dynamic of, of different ways and different kinds of prayers that we pray. And sometimes we, get, we can get so lost, up, lost in, the, in the idea of prayer that it just sort of muddles together. But the one thing about it is that in the middle of it is God. Whatever kind of prayers we're praying, what makes it genuine prayer is it's God. I heard about a little girl who was on her way to church one Sunday morning, and she was running a little bit late, and so she was running to church and running along the sidewalk. And the whole time she's praying, God, don't let me be late. God, please don't let me be late. God, please don't let me be late. And she was wrapped up in this prayer and running that she tripped over the curb and fell. She's all dirty, her dress was torn, and she got up and dusted herself off and took off again and started running for church again. And she prayed, God, please don't let me be late, and added, but God, please don't push me either. Now, now when I read that, I thought, that, that's both convicting and inspiring to me. On the one hand, it's it's convicting in that this little girl sees God in all of her prayers and all of the things happen in life. And it's inspiring to me that she just simply is honest with God about how she prays. And as we get older, as we move along in our journey with Christ, we tend to be less honest with God. 
but not Jesus. When we come to this scene in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find Jesus in agony of prayer. It's his first recourse. He is probably an hour or less away from everything unraveling. And he comes to the garden and he prays. And his prayer is an honest prayer. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Now that's not unwillingness. That's just honesty. Here is Jesus pouring out his heart and he's honest before the Father. And sometimes we think we can't really be honest with God, but Jesus is. In fact, when you look at, when, you, when the story of, of the, in the Gospels unfolds for us, Jesus is the one who is close to God and he's honest with him. And the religious leaders who are far from God aren't honest with God at all. Jesus has no fear of being honest with God. And it says, Luke tells us that he is in such agony that it's, his sweat is like drops of blood. And I think part of that is the physical suffering that he's about to face. And he knows it's coming. But I also think it is, it is what he's going to endure that he's never endured before. As he hangs on the cross and takes upon himself the sins of the world, he is for the first time going to feel guilt and shame. Not for his sin, but for ours. We all know what that feels like. We all know the aching in our soul of sinning and the consequences of that and feeling that we have disappointed God and that God is going to turn from us And now for the first time, Jesus is going to feel that. And he's saying, Father, I don't want to feel that. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think Jesus is actually saying God turned his back on him. I think he's saying it feels like the Father and I are no longer one. The shame, the guilt... The ache in my soul because I've taken on myself this sin feels like God is no longer with me. And he's in agony of soul and he prays honestly about his struggle. And what we find in this prayer is a call for you and me to pray honestly. To bring our struggles, our burdens, our concerns, whatever they are, to God and to be honest about them. There is something about speaking the words that makes them feel true to us. If we just hold them in our hearts, there is a sense of it maybe not being real. But the minute we speak them, there is a reality to them. That's why the first step of any 12-step program is acknowledging who we are. I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. I'm so-and-so, I'm addicted to gambling. I'm so-and-so, I'm a drug addict. And you go nowhere until you take that first step of honestly acknowledging this is the truth about me. 
But our temptation is to hide. I mean, the Garden of Eden, the very first thing that happens when Adam and Eve sin, they hide. They run. Why is it that we are hesitant to be honest with God? Well, I think there are, because it, it feels so real when we are honest with God. When we're honest with God, it, we realize that there may be consequences. God may ask things of us that we don't want to do. There is a reality, a truthfulness about the struggle and what God may be asking of us. And our temptation is to run and hide. And quite frankly, often when we're honest with each other, we get rejected. People turn on us, they judge us. And the evil one comes to us and says, you know God's going to do the same thing to you. All the people who've rejected you, that's exactly how God will be to you. And so we run and hide. We have this false image of God. But rather, Jesus reveals to us that we can be honest with God. He calls us to be honest with Him. Let's be, to be frank, He already knows what our hearts anyway. We're just simply acknowledging the truth. I'm struggling with this. I'm wrestling with this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to let go of that. I don't want to release that. I don't want to do that. Or I want to do this. I want to hang on to this. And we'll go nowhere with God until we at some point come to the place where we acknowledge honestly to him, this is our struggle. But the honesty of prayer is not enough. As important as that is, ultimately it has to move us to the next level of praying, which is surrender. Or as some refer to it, the prayer of relinquishment. Jesus doesn't just say, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. He says, not my will, but yours be done. And ultimately, that's where our prayer of honesty is leading us, to let it go. And this prayer of relinquishment, the prayer of surrender, is not giving up, it's giving to. It's acknowledging that our only solution is in God. It's acknowledging that the only way we will get through this, the only way that we will truly live as we were designed to live is to give to God whatever it is we're struggling with. And that takes time. It often takes praying about it over and over and over again. The other gospel writers tell us that Jesus prays this prayer three times. I think there's, I don't think it's only three times. You you get the sense that Jesus is in prayer for an hour and I suspect this is his prayer for an hour. But I don't even think his prayer, this prayer is limited to the hour. I think he's been praying this prayer for a long time. Lord, if this cup can pass from me, let it, but not my will, yours be done. I'm giving this to you. And he knows the consequences of it. The consequences are pain and ultimately death. And when you and I surrender to God, it will involve some element of pain and some element of death, of giving up, of letting go. 
often of things that we want to hold on to. But Jesus also knows that death leads to life. And what we have convinced ourselves is that if we just hold back and we don't take that step of relinquishment, that that prayer of surrender, that we're good as we are and that's okay and we just settle for okay. When all the while God is saying, if you just give it to me, we can move from okay to great. We can move from death to life. But it is a struggle. It's hard. It's difficult. It's a struggle for Jesus. And if it's a struggle for Jesus, it's going to be a struggle for us. And sometimes we think, I just, I pray this once and then it ought to magically be done. But there is in the struggle of giving away, the struggle of giving to, the struggle of relinquishing, the struggle of surrendering. There is in that struggle a continual need to rely on God. Richard Foster says there is this struggle of surrender, this struggle of relinquishment is not, it brings about change, but it's not like the change that a tornado brings, but it's, it's the change of a grain of sand in an oyster. And that's the kind of change that God wants to work in us when we pray honest, surrendered prayers. We have to remember, we are surrendering ourselves. We are surrendering all of the things of our lives. We're surrendering this one thing right in front of us at the moment. We're surrendering it to our loving Heavenly Father. It's not a coincidence that Jesus addresses God in this moment as Father. We are surrendering. We are relinquishing to our Heavenly Father who loves us. I keep coming back to what Jesus says in in Luke 11. That if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more our Father in heaven loves to give good gifts to his children. Loves to do good for us. Loves to free us and help us. When we come to God to let go, yes, there is struggle and there is pain and there is difficulty and the end result may not be exactly what we want and it may not happen in the way we want it but if we believe that God is who he says he is relinquishing whatever we have to God will always end up being for our best if we're willing to let go to give to In his book, simply titled Prayer, Richard Foster tells a story about a friend of his who had been badgering him for a while to come to the city where she lived some distance away to do a seminar for her and her colleagues. He didn't really want to make that trip and to to do the seminar, and he knew that there were people in the city where she lived who could do it just as well, if not better, than he could. But she she kept on him about it, and finally... They were together at some kind of meeting and he said to her, okay, look, here's what we're going to do. You go home and you pray about this. Pray to God. Don't talk to anybody else. And if six people come to you without you saying anything and ask you for for this to happen, then I'll come and do it. He said, now you need to understand, I wasn't trying to hear God. I just wanted to get out of the speaking engagement. 
He said, less than a week later, she called me and she said, I've been praying about this, haven't said a word to anyone, and 12 people have asked me if we could make this happen. He said, I was stuck, I had to go. So he went. He went to this seminar that was about the prayer of inner healing. And he met in the home of this woman with 15 social workers. And the first night they met, they were sitting around the circle, and one of the gentlemen there said to the group, Listen, you guys go easy on me. I'm not one of you. And that was his way of saying, I'm not a Christian. He said the group took that with a great amount of grace and, 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 and kindness. He said throughout the weekend, we really sensed the spirit moving in our gathering and helping us. He said it was just a really precious time. So much so that by Sunday afternoon, this same gentleman said to the group, Would you all pray for me to know Jesus the way you know Jesus? And he said they they all kind of looked at each other, not exactly sure what to do. Because it just didn't seem like the normal responses were right in that moment. And there was this period of silence. And then a young man got up and he put his hands on this gentleman's shoulders and he prayed for him. And Foster says, he prayed a prayer that I will never forget. In fact, he said, I felt like I should take my shoes off. It, was, it felt like holy ground. And the funny thing is, he, he prayed a television commercial. He said, there was a commercial running at that time for Nestle. And it showed people out sweltering in the summer sun. And they would pick up a glass of tea and tip it back to drink it. And as they did, they would fall backwards into a swimming pool and go, ah, they splashed into the water. And this young man with his hands on this gentleman's shoulders prayed that he would do that with Jesus. That he would fall back into the arms of Jesus and have that sense of an ah moment of giving his life to Christ. And that's exactly what he did. And Foster says it was one of those grace-filled moments. And I am convinced that that is the prayer of relinquishment, the prayer of surrender. That the God who loves us and cares for us is simply asking us, whatever the issue may be, to just fall back into his arms and to know his life-giving grace. And I'm also convinced that that happens most effectively in the church. Now, I know that sometimes the church gives off a vibe of judgmentalism. That the church can, can send a, a signal of restraint and, and of, of, you know, not really wanting to hear the stuff that we're dealing with. But that's not how Christ intended the church to be. Christ instituted the church to be a place of acceptance and love and grace and forgiveness. 
And that's why when we were putting together our vision statement and we were talking about what, what do we want, what do we think this church should look like if the Holy Spirit just filled us completely and made us the church that he wants us to be, what would that look like? And, and some of the things that we put were that we would acknowledge our personal and corporate brokenness. And that we would affirm our dependence on each other. And that we would embrace and love all others. And that we would live together in ongoing forgiveness as God forgives us. That we would practice gracious discernment and mutual confession and love for our enemies. And that we would be connected to each other. That we would be a hospital. And the hospital is a place for people who have need. And the church is a place for people who have need. And that's all of us. And this morning, this is what we're going to do. Something similar to we did, what we did about a month ago. We have the ushers or the elders and the pastors come and around the altar... And, and we want to pray for those of you who would like for us to pray for you. Whatever it may be that you want to release to God, we want to, uh, to have the privilege of praying with you and for you. And you can say as little or as much as you want. I recognize that in this context... And you may not even know that well or at all, the person who is up here. But God knows. And you can pray honestly in your heart. So we want you to invite you to come and, and pray as little, pray, say as much or as little as you want, but just to pray. And if you want to come and pray for healing, we'll anoint you with oil and we will pray for you. Even if you came a month ago, you want to do it again, that's okay. That's fine. Whatever the issue may be, if there is a burden in your heart, and this morning you're saying, I want to let that go. I want to give it to God. A relationship, something about the future, something you're struggling with, whatever it may be. I'm going to ask the elders and the pastors to come now. And if you would like for us to pray for you, to pray with you, come.
Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for inviting us to pray boldly and honestly and for giving us courage to relinquish, to surrender all to you. We do want to pray today for your grace upon all who are struggling with grief or illness, with pain, trouble. Comfort every need, every aching heart, every burdened soul. Heal all of our diseases through the grace and power of who you are. We pray today for all who are in West Africa being affected by the Ebola virus. We pray that you would bring an end to the suffering and infection, particularly among people who have already endured so much hardship in the last few years. We pray for Alan and Sherry and their boys in their transition back to the States. We pray that you would refresh them, restore them while they are here. Father, open our eyes to your presence with us. Give us grace to continue to trust you as we surrender to you. We ask all of this through the mercy of Christ who goes to the cross for us and leaves us the model for prayer which we now pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. and join us as we sing together. Oh, 
May God, who knows our hearts, fill you soul, body, and spirit with his grace and mercy this day and every day. Amen.